Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, they actually did it. They finally went ahead and did it, huh? Wow, they're really feeling good. They're really feeling high on their own supply, hmm? Ah, you have no idea. You have no idea, and I am in that camp. That says that this clinched it, certainly for the nomination and probably for the election in 2024. This will not stand. This is, uh, you know what though? You know what? We gotta be strong and we gotta be smart and we gotta be tough. We can't let the elites roll the American people. Cause after this, uh, you know, the initial shock and the weekend is over, who's gonna roll up their sleeves and who's gonna protest? Hey, I gotta be really careful when you say protest now, right? Protest. Ooh, Trump supporters protesting. Yikes, January 6th. I'm not talking about breaking the law. All right, you know what? Probably best to just stay the hell away from New York City. I actually just caught in traffic, uh, on Fifth Avenue. We couldn't go down Fifth Avenue. I had to make a left. We had, it was a pain in the neck, but I, uh, I admire people coming out and obeying the law and making their voices heard. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think Donald Trump is is on some level on some level he likes it on some level he likes it and I'll tell you why uh he knows this whole thing he knows the allegations he knows what happened he has all of the information he knows the rest of us we're wondering we don't know what's going on we don't know what happened with uh Stormy Daniels necessarily 100% we don't know about Michael Cohen that stuff gets complicated and stupid really quick but he knows he knows and I think he knows that uh, he didn't have an affair. And I think he knows that uh, more than anybody else, that this is a joke. He knows that he didn't steal money. He didn't embezzle money. He uh, he owed somebody money and he paid them. <laughs> the person he owed was Michael Cohen, oh, by the way. These weren't checks to Stormy Daniels. These were checks to Michael Cohen, who I think wrote a check to some guy, not even Michael Avenatti, somebody else. Uh, but he has all the information. He has all the information. Uh, you know, every day somebody writes something about my little uh, thing that happened to me 10 years ago, 12 years ago. When the hell was that? 2012. 2012, I was accused of um, of a crime. I was accused falsely of a crime, serious crime here in New York City. And um, it was big, big news because at the time I was a local morning news anchor and my father was the police commissioner at the time. And when... Um, a person with that profile, with that lineage gets accused, it's going to be news. And I remember it was, it was very, it was surreal. It was on the, you know, the, the front page of all the newspapers for two weeks. It was, uh, the, I turn on the Good Morning America show. There it is. George Stephanopoulos talking about it. I mean, what the hell is going on? But strangely, curiously and surprisingly, I was in, I was in total peace. I was at peace because I knew everything. They were just guessing at stuff. I knew what happened. I knew, and I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I knew I was going to be exonerated. Everybody else is calling me, consoling me. Oh, oh this, this is going to be tough. Well, yeah, it's, uh, but I mean, I'm, uh, 
I'm fine. I, I know I didn't do anything wrong. And um, it was kind of interesting to see your picture on front of uh, all the newspapers. Now, Donald Trump right now is globally trending as he has for almost every single day since he left the presidency. But this is like 10 times as much as normal. Donald Trump, once again, the most important, the most famous man in the world, more famous, more relevant, more central than Joe Biden. Totally. Well, Joe Biden's the president of the United States. Not really. We know he's a figurehead. We know he's a stand-in. We know somebody else is a, is doing all the work. But if they pull this off, if they pull this, I don't think they will. I don't think my heart of hearts just says there's good. What did they say? What did Gordon Gecko say? Somebody said, there's got to be a way out of this. Yeah, call 911. Um, I don't know what that way is, but he's going to win. He's going to win. And it may take the hand of God as it takes the hand of God to do anything, everything. But, you know, these grand jurors, a bunch of crazy grand jurors in Manhattan, the one county in America, oh, by the way, that hates him. Even Republicans here hate him. If Republicans voted in the New York primary in 2016, you know who won the Manhattan County, the New York County primary? Ted Cruz. <laughs> it was the one county he lost. Um, anyway, uh, the one county he lost, well, he lost his own, he lost a few others, but he lost his home, the one county in New York State, I believe. That's it. The one county in New York State that he lost. His home county, New York County. Now they say, and Trump says, if they do this, you know what, they're coming, they're, they're coming for you. They're not coming for me. They're coming for you. I just stand in their way. And that is very, very true. I am really surprised. You know, I keep thinking about that woman, Janine, from Staten Island. And she's a good person and she's got her daughter there and, uh, the school has gone woke and crazy. And she calls in to the radio station, doesn't want to give her last name, doesn't want to go to the school, doesn't want to tell us the name of the school, doesn't want to make waves, wants others to do that. Now I understand where she's coming from and there's a natural tendency to keep your head down, not make waves, stay out of trouble. Uh, you don't want anybody knowing what you're thinking, but that's right out of 1984. That's right out of, that's a totalitarian thing. We really are going in that direction. You know, if you say, all right, they locked up a president of, they're about to lock up a president of the United States. You got that happening on that level. And you got ordinary people being canceled that they say something like blue lives matter, right? Or all lives matter. You know, it's a cancelable offense. There are corporations that will kick you the hell out, fire you, if you don't accept this crazy, woke, left-wing communist ideology. It's all slipping away. It's slipping away very, very fast. And Donald Trump is our great big hope. Very few are sticking up for him in a, in a wholehearted fashion. They, they're hedging. They're hedging. Now, there are some great patriots out there who are decrying this, but a lot of the establishment, they're keeping, you know, Asa Hutchinson, former governor of uh, Arizona, I, I, Arkansas. I know he's not a big deal. But he just said, oh, this is a dark day for America, but he deserves a presumption of innocence. And that's it. They're not sticking up for him. A lot of Republicans actually want him to go down. They want him to lose. We don't, of course. Uh, case is such a, is such a sham. And they thought also that he would be embarrassed or we would be embarrassed. You know, his conservative base could not could not accept, could not condone the idea that he even met a porn star, let alone hooked up with one, which I don't think he did. But you know, it's like we're way beyond that. 
We're way beyond that. We are tired of phony evangelicals like George W. Bush, who knows the rituals, who knows the words, who knows how to fool people, who knows how to fool the Christian right and tell the Christian right what 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 at one point we wanted to hear. Right. Talk about. The, you know, the born again experience, all that stuff. Donald Trump went before a Christian group in 2015 and actually said, you know, I, he was asked, did you ever, have you ever confessed your sins before God? Have you ever gone to confession? You know, I don't know if I've ever done that, actually. I, you know, I don't know. I can't say that I've done that. I, you know, I try to do better. I make a mistake and I try to do better next time, but I don't know if I've done that. And you know what the Christians did? They applauded. They applaud. Now, George W. Bush would give a different answer, theologically perfect answer. But we're not perfect people. We're not. We're all screwed up. We all, <laughs> and we see a lot of ourselves in Trump. We see a lot of that in Trump, and it's okay. It's okay. We also see what we can, the heights of human achievement in Trump. I do. Anyway, we're not horrified by the Stormy Daniels angle. All right? We're not. And, oh, by the way, Stormy Daniels is lying about hooking up with Trump. And here's how I knew in 2018, which was how many years ago? Five years ago this story broke. Five years ago. And now they're getting around to indicting him about it. (laughs) Just as the presidential campaign is heating up. Here's Stormy Daniels in 2018. This is when I knew the entire case was a fraud. And she especially, she especially, what a horrible person. Cut 21. I felt intimidated and honestly bullied, and I didn't know what to do, and so I signed it. Even though I had repeatedly expressed that I wouldn't break the agreement, but I was not comfortable lying. How do we know you're telling the truth? Uh, Because I have no reason to lie. (laughs) No reason to lie, huh? No reason to lie. By the way, I'm not saying she's a horrible person because she did the pornography. I'm saying a horrible person because she came forward and she is lying. And right there, no reason to lie. And what did I do last night on the Newsmax show? I cut to all of the things, all of the endeavors that she was actually engaged in right then. The Meet Stormy Daniels Tour. Donald Trump's mistress. Tonight at Scandals in Queens and uh, here and there, all over the place. She was touring strip clubs across the country, marketing herself as Donald Trump's mistress at that very moment. Uh, what else? She has an underwear line. She has a cocktail line. She, of course, has her dirty movie line. Uh, she's exploiting it. And I think lying to uh, gain fame, to gain currency. Yes, there is that picture of the two of them. But so what? I got pictures, you know, a caller the other day said uh, Jimmy Carter once posed with John Wayne Gacy. Well, he's with a porn star. That's going to really infuriate the Christian right. Shut up. It's not. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. I told, I try to think back. What I have met porn stars. And you know what? I don't, um, I'm not going to wag my finger at porn stars or, or, or pornography. I've seen it. Yep, I have. Yep, absolutely. And I, I know. From experience, that it's harmful to the users, to the viewers, and it's also harmful to the producers of it. Um, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to judge them. I'm not. I'm not going to. I think they were victimized by a by a pretty toxic industry that that preys upon women. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Maybe Jenna Jameson 
disagrees with me. Uh, she's the porn star I met and um, took a picture with. Actually, she was interviewed on Good Day New York. She had a book, and she was a big mess, by the way. She was she was really, let's see here. Here's something else. How society has totally, totally uh, degraded itself. In 2018, on that very show, 60 Minutes, the most prestigious program in broadcasting, listen to what Stormy Daniels is asked by Anderson Cooper. You don't get more elite media than Anderson Cooper, right? The whole Gloria Vanderbilt thing, the whole look at me, I uh, I don't know, look at me what? I'm Anderson Cooper. <laughs> I just uh, cut uh, 22, please. You work in an industry where condom use is a, is an issue. Did the, did he use a condom? No. Did you ask him to? No. I honestly didn't say anything. Okay. What kind of question is that? Why did he, why did he want to know? Why did he want to know about the condom? Why? He was trying to hurt Melania. Actually, he's trying to hurt somebody. Question was totally outrageous, totally inappropriate. And at one point, not too long ago in our country's history, a question of that nature <laughs> would have literally been laughed out of the room. You're about to hear the voice of Jennifer Flowers as she was conducting a major press conference at the Waldorf Astoria as she was talking about her alleged year, years-long affair with then-Governor Clinton. Again, this is 1992, 31 years ago. What about a question about the condom back then? Look at the, listen to the reaction. Uh, cut 23. He told me to just deny it. Governor Clinton used a condom? Jesus. Right here. Right here. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to clip this to stop if there are any further questions that are degrading, in my opinion. That are degrading. Any further questions that are degrading. A near riot broke out when they asked Jennifer Flowers if she had, if the governor had used a condom. Fast forward to today, to our sick, totally in decline, cult, godless culture. And what happens on 60 Minutes, the darling of the elite media, Anderson Cooper. You work in an industry where condom use is, a, is an issue. Did, the, did he use a condom? No. No. Did you no. ask him to? <laughs> and nobody, nobody patted that eye. He's innocent. Support Trump. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Some of the worst on this thing have been swamp dwellers. Some of the best have been the outsiders. Vivek Ramatswamy. Have you seen this guy? He's uh, he's very sharp. He's been on my Newsmax show two or three times. Uh, I like him. He's running for president. Now, he's running against Trump, but he makes it quite clear. I'm not running against Trump. I'm running. He's like running for a cause. He's America first. It's like, look, I'm going to I'm not attacking Trump. I'm. Anyway, he could be vice president. He could be a good vice president. He's an impressive dude, great education. He's only 37 years old. Um, might be jumping the gun here a little bit, running for president. But I like how he doesn't criticize Trump. In fact, he praises him and supports him. And he had one of the best statements on this whole uh, sham indictment by that maniac Bragg. Just remember, Bragg, putting a president of the United States away and letting the axe man who destroyed the McDonald's, letting that guy go. 
Um, it's just everything. Everything is backwards. Everything is messed up. Uh, let me hear this. Uh, Vivek, Vivek on the Trump situation, please. I'm Vivek Ramaswamy, and I'm running for president of the United States. Earlier today, my competitor in this race, Donald Trump, was criminally indicted in a politically motivated prosecution. This is wrong. This is dangerous. We're skating on thin ice as a country right now. I think we may be heading on our way to a national divorce. I'm running for president because I care about a national revival instead. But this is a step in the wrong direction. You don't know what Alvin Bragg, he ran on a campaign, a political campaign for his position, pledging to investigate Donald Trump. You don't know what he did today. He delivered on a campaign promise. That is not how our justice system is supposed to work. Justice is supposed to be impartial. If this had been anybody else other than Donald Trump on this set of facts, it would have been charged as a misdemeanor at most, if at all. Yet what we see right now is a ruling party in our country that will stop at nothing, even using police force to arrest its political opponents. We're not some banana republic, guys. We are the United States of America. We're supposed to be that shining city on a hill for the rest of the world that still gives hope to the free world as we know it. And yet look at what we have become today. This is not the America that I know. And you know what? You do have a constitutional right to protest this decision if you want to. The only ask I will make is do it peacefully and do it lawfully if that's the decision you make. Because, again, we're in dangerous times today. I care about having one country left at the end of this. And if Alvin Bragg or even Joe Biden wants to do something, let alone the rest of this Republican field, we can all unite to say that even if we're running against Donald Trump, we at least want to let the voters decide who gets to be the next president rather than some Javert-style prosecutor sitting in New York City. That is not the country I know. That is not the country that my parents came to. That is not the country that we pledge allegiance to. That is not the United States. All right, Vivek. Well, what the hell is a Javert prosecutor? Anyway, uh, sounds bad. I agree, Vivek. Great statement. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, this is me. Um, we're going to be all right, but it's a very strange time. And why the, oh gosh, did you know today is Transgender Day of Visibility? It's not some crazy thing that was invented by uh, two people in Vermont. It's being promoted by President Biden. On Transgender Day of Visibility, we want you to know that we see you. <laughs> we see you just as you are, made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. We'll never stop working to create a world where you don't have to be brave just to be yourself. Uh, keep your hands to yourself, you dirty old man, all right? <laughs> and there's a big uh, thing here. Transgender people deserve... Look, transgender is mental illness gender dysphoria is mental illness and um god created man and woman is joe like trying to pick a fight with uh with with jews and christians because oh by the way that's in the old testament what the hell is he actually trying to do here what's he trying to provoke it's a very very strange guy all kinds of (laughs) all kinds of fetishes i think and let's not forget you know we had a massacre at a Christian school earlier this week, 
A lot of people believe what well, we know it was targeted because it was a Christian school. The police told us that gender identity was a motivating factor here. They said that that was a theory that they were going on and they'd get back to us. They haven't gotten back to us because the transgender community, to the extent that I hate to say all trans, the transgender community, I can't stay, stand saying that because there are people who transitioned who are, quite frankly, on our side. And what side is that? The good side. The side that says that children should not be uh, engaging in any of this. People like uh, my friend Christine in Connecticut, hell, Caitlyn Jenner, they were in their 50s when they decided to undergo that treatment. And oh, by the way, at least with Christine, she was not sufficiently warned about the negative uh, consequences of some of these drugs that they gave her. And then she came down with leukemia. Anyway, uh, that is something else. We had that. And now you can say it. All the networks, they're, they're, they're breathing a sigh of relief that they can move on to the uh, the Trump situation, because they knew they were ignoring it. The transgender, and they had to keep it quiet, quiet, and thank God they can move on, because it was about to bust. And when are we going to see that manifesto? Are we going to still get to see that manifesto? Are we still going to see that manifesto? Uh, let's see here. Uh, Robert in the Bronx, hello. How are you, Greg? Love your show. A little criticism, though. You there? Yeah. So, you asked why this woman doesn't give her name or where the school is, this, that, the other thing. But when you were asked if you would work for Trump, you said no because you didn't want to be hassled. You didn't want to get sued. You didn't want to have your life interrupted. So you can't expect anybody else to do that either. No, I don't blame I, you. I, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Actually, um, there's a difference. I do remember that. I said, look, at this stage of my life, I'm not looking to work for the federal government. All right. I don't want to. Number one, one of the biggest problems is you can't get done what you want to get done because, well, of the the, the swamp and the bureaucratic opposition. My dream job, to be honest, is undersecretary defense for reserve and manpower affairs. That's the job I want. Uh, that's the job I know how to do. That's the job, quite frankly, uh, that I'd be great at. However, there is a permanent civil service there at the Pentagon that would stop me and sabotage me every step of the way. Uh, so that's a common sense. You know, I did say, and you, you mentioned it, I don't want to be hassled. That's different from fear. That's different from fear. I'm not afraid to go down there. It's a hassle and I don't want to. And oh, by the way, my kid's future is not at stake. So that woman in, uh, in, uh, Staten Island, and she was afraid. It wasn't the hassle. It was fear. And I got a really funny relationship with fear, to be honest. The moment I'm afraid of something, I must confront it. If I were afraid of going to Washington, D.C., I would probably go to Washington, D.C. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but let me just tell you this. One time, Fox News sent me to uh, Las Vegas to interview Jerry Lewis. And then the next day, I had to go uh, jump out of an airplane with the flying Elvises. They had this troop of flying Elvises, and they would jump out of the plane. And they're great guys, and I, 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 whatever. But this is back in 2006. It's a long time ago. And there was something about the way they ran the operation. It was very different from when I parachuted in the military, okay? It was just a different vibe. And it didn't seem as safe or as professional. So um, I said, well, I don't think I'm going to do it. And then... Uh, now, then I was like, well, Fox will be really mad because they, they sent me all this way. 
oh gosh, I got it. They're going to be mad at me. And then I got myself to the point where it would be easier to jump out of the plane, and I knew it probably all right, than to go back and tell Fox that I didn't jump out of the plane, that they sent me all the way out there for two assignments. I did one of them, not the other, and I was afraid of that. I was afraid of having to tell them that I didn't do it. So I didn't do it. (laughs) It just That's a lot more information than you want, Robert, but there is a difference. I don't want to be hassled. But that's different from fear. Does that make sense to you? Uh, a little bit. Listen, I'm hey, a little you. bit. You're not. You're giving me the brush off. Listen, I landed on aircraft carriers. Okay, I've been. <laughs> you look at my Twitter and you tell me if I'm scared. Okay, that's that's. And also, okay. By the way, let's call, talk dollars and cents. I don't want to take a pay cut. All right, that's another reason. So don't. Don't try to get inside my head and tell me that I'm afraid of going down there and I'm a phony and I'm not uh, consistent. I am perfectly consistent on this issue. I'm going to put you on hold and I'll come back to you because I'm so steamed at you right now, Robert. But I'm not hanging up on you. Let's go to Maria in Short Hills. Maria. Don't be steamed. Calm down. Thank you for taking my call. I know you are a Christian, a believer in God, somebody who reads the Bible. I Did you just you... tell me to calm down on my own show? Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Keep calm going. Down. Keep going. I, okay. Um, I ask your your listeners to keep President Trump in their prayers. You know, this Sunday is Palm Sunday. Then it begins Holy Week and it culminates with Easter, the most sacred time. Our president needs our prayers. I know he'll get by this, but he needs to stay safe and healthy and strong. Because if the left wins in 2024 and President Trump is not back in the White House in early 2025, we are doomed as a country. I believe that we will no longer be a constitutional republic, but we will be a godless, socialist, totalitarian third world country. Please keep him. Please keep President Trump in your prayers. Damn straight, Maria. And the power of prayer is something to be harnessed and celebrated and promoted. You know, I hear all these liberals and some conservatives, too, saying we don't need your thoughts and prayers. We need legislation. No, we need prayers. The power of prayer. It works. It works. I know it does. I know it does. It is an amazing thing. And uh, let's do that. Let's do that. I'm going to get let's do that. Thank you, Maria. Maybe I'm going to start the next hour with something special. Uh, let's do one more. Um, Amy, Amy and Manalapan. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, so the Javert style prosecutor, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> it sounds bad. It's a, a reference to Les Mis, the, the law officer who went after Jean Valjean for stealing a loaf of bread for his starving daughter. He like made it his life's work to go after him because he broke the law. It didn't matter how small it was. Yeah, Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Oh, that's what he was getting at. Well, it's too high end a reference. What's his name? He should not. He's got to boil it down. He's got to. He's got to say you know invoke somebody else. J. Edgar Hoover or who's another overzealous? All right. Anyway, look, the guy went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Oxford. What do you want? They're going to be well. You picked up on the reference. Very good for you. Uh, I saw. I did not read Les Miserables Miserable, because it's uh, two thousand pages long. But I did see an amazing TV movie, Les Mis. And, yeah, that guy steals a loaf. I saw it in 1975. Steals a loaf of bread. And how how long was he in jail for? 
remember, but I remember uh, Super Six Hundred One was his his um, his number, his you know criminal number on his. I remember that part of the song. I haven't seen it in years. So when I was I was thinking, oh wow, that that was a cool reference. And then when you said that, I had to call in. And then everything you've said after that, I've agreed with so much. I, I whenever I'm afraid of something, I will do it. If I'm like all of a sudden. You know, I've never really thought about ghosts, felt afraid of ghosts. This is just a hypothetical scenario. If I ever woke up with a fear of ghosts, I would have to go buy one of those ghost machines and try to face my fear of ghosts. It's very interesting, um, right? And it's very exhilarating when you do it. And it's uh, there's something, uh, there's just something wild about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But if you could confront your fears. Oh, and by the way, don't quit. That's another great message. Donald Trump just dropped this thing. Uh, online, and I'm going to play it for you in a little bit. It's the most moving, powerful message. He just put it out in the wake of this thing. Uh, the message is, don't quit. Don't quit. And if he can put up with all the stuff he's going through, we can put up with, uh, you know, what can we do in our own lives? Uh, and anyway, Amy, thank you very much for straightening me out on that. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I recently started reading the Bible at 43 years old, and that's been saving my life, what I'm going through right now. So I relate to you a lot on that stuff also. Love you. Thanks for taking my call. Bye. Hey, that's beautiful. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. And I'm going to tell you, tomorrow's April 1st. It's a new month because uh, I, I recently changed my commute. I recently changed my commute. I used to take the cab, and I used to read the Bible in the back of the cab. Now I'm taking the subway again, and uh, my head is on a swivel, and I'm scared. <laughs> I'm not scared, but I'm, well, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I'm apprehensive, and uh, so I'm not I'm not reading anymore uh, on the way to work. So I've uh, fallen behind. i got to find another ritual uh, for the Bible, and I'm so glad you're doing that, and uh I will be doing that with you tomorrow going forward because I've uh, tripped up a bit in uh, in March. Thank you, Amy, and uh, stay in touch. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Do you remember when they came after uh, Brett Kavanaugh with all that crazy stuff and how they went all out to stop that guy, uh, Christine Blasey Ford, and that insane story? <laughs> well, uh when he gave his rebuttal, about 10 minutes before he went on stage, um, Kavanaugh got a phone call from um, from Trump, and he fired him up. And, man, he was good. And when he gave the statement and when he when he took questions. And this part of the statement something else. He's, he's talking about what happened to him, but the the, the trends and the, the institutions and, and the people he's citing, they're all still at work. And they're going after Trump. Uh, it was a very interesting moment. Can I play that, please? This is uh, uh, then Judge Kavanaugh as he was being confirmed or trying to be confirmed for the U.S. Supreme Court. Go ahead. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit, fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election. Fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. This is a circus. The consequences will extend long past my nomination. The consequences will be with us for decades. This grotesque and coordinated character assassination 
will dissuade competent and good people of all political persuasions from serving our country. And as we all know, in the United States political system of the early 2000s, what goes around comes around. I am an optimistic guy. I always try to be on the sunrise side of the mountain, to be optimistic about the day that is coming. But today, I have to say that I fear for the future. Justice Kavanaugh, great, bold, prescient statement. When he was, all those forces are still at work, and they're still furious about 2016. They're still trying to take revenge on Trump and his allies and his supporters and on the people who voted for him. Um, you know, what goes around comes around. He's talking about, well, you know, when, when the Republicans are in the majority, they're going to do the same thing and that kind of thing. You know, that's actually, I would differ with him. We play by the rules. We do. We do. We don't, <laughs> we don't lie, cheat and steal. And, um, that, that's kind of what makes us different. <laughs> it makes us totally different. Hey, is this the thing where Trump is, uh, all right. This is very powerful when you see it. I think the words are very moving as well. Uh, Donald Trump's team put this online just a little while ago. It's kind of their answer to all this craziness. Go ahead. Durham probe into the Russia collusion hoax. President Trump has just been impeached on both Article the 1 The only and... president of the United States to be impeached for a second January time. January 6th committee releasing its final 845-page report. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted. Remember this. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. Following your convictions means you must be willing to face criticism from those who lack the same courage to do what is right. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference. The more that a broken system tells you that you're wrong, the more certain you should be that you must keep pushing ahead. This is a party that wants an outsider badly. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. You must keep pushing forward. Never, ever give up. There'll be times in your life you'll want to quit, you'll want to go home. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just never quit. You will build a future where we have the courage to chase our dreams no matter what the cynics and the doubters have to say. You will have the confidence to speak the hopes in your hearts and to express the love that stirs your souls. And you will have the faith to replace a broken establishment with a government that serves and protects the people. They're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way. And I always will stand in their way. Huh? I told you that was powerful. Man, you feel like you could do anything after that. It sounds great. It looks even better. you got to find it online. It's fantastic stuff.
Everybody loved it. Uh, all right. Ooh, we're getting close to the uh, end of this hour. All right, let's just check in with uh, very quickly. Uh, Ray Robert, to be continued. I said I'd take you, no, the other Robert uh, in the Bronx. All right, what else? So, listen, I don't question your bravery. You served this country and you protected my family and kept us safe. And you'll always be my hero, every veteran. My point is, I can't go down to that Trump rally. You know why? Because I'm afraid of being arrested by these lunatic Democrats for peacefully protesting. And our congressmen and leaders in Washington are weak and feckless at this point. They're disgusting. They make me sick, all of them. Hey, I don't fault you for not wanting to go to any rally because they'll set us up just like they did on January 6th. However, there are other things you can do, uh, you know, write letters, uh, yes, you're calling into a radio station. Uh, be active on social media. Write a letter to your congressman. I think I, I don't know if Jamal Bowman is your congressman or not. Your city council member demand a meeting. Uh, you know, just be as active a citizen as you can. I know it sounds corny. It sounds like it's not gonna. Uh, it's not gonna make a difference. It will. You know, something magic happens actually when you put pen to paper. I'm telling you, I don't know what happens, but something happens. It's one thing to tweet. It's one thing to send a, an email, you know, to the general box of some congressman. They'll never get that. But if you send a letter, and I've been getting actually better and better at this, uh, just kind of used to take me a month and a half to send a thank you card. Now I can just boom, 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 boom. Um, and by the way, month and a half, and I probably didn't even do it. <laughs> okay, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. Robert, I appreciate it. Appreciate your kind words. Um, uh, and I am no hero. I, by the way, I just, uh, I had such a good time in the military. I don't say that enough. I had a great, great, great time. And I'm so grateful actually, uh, to the United States military, to this country. I really am just, uh, the experiences that I've been so fortunate to have. And I got them from the Marine Corps. Uh, and of course, uh, my father, Ray Kelly inspired me to join the Marine Corps. Uh, all right. Hey, I got to go for a moment, uh, and I have to make a phone call, and uh, I'll be right back. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, God bless President Trump. Protect President Trump. Now, he's okay uh, not to drop names or anything like that, but uh, my parents saw him last night, and he was in very good spirits. He was in Mar-a-Lago. Um, he was uh, surrounded by thousands of people and just having the time of his life. You know, like every night, every night for that guy is like the wet, a wedding. Where you're the father of the bride. You know what I mean? He's got that big ballroom at Mar-a-Lago and, and people coming in all over the place and the fancy sit-down dinner, kind of like a wedding. And he's the center of it all. Um, and good for him. Good for him. I think he likes it. He's comfortable. A lot of people would be freaked out. A lot of people would be just could not handle it. I know the fake news. They are excited all over again. Remember, they're always making history with President Trump. Uh, the first president to be, uh, impeached twice. The first president this, the first president that. Um, it's, it's, 
but we've we've heard this song before, haven't we? I remember impeachment number one, phony impeachment number one was, uh, well, he survived it. And then it was business is not usual. Nothing was usual under Trump, but he just kept winning and winning and winning and winning and winning. Um, the dirtiest guy in the world right now in my book, even dirtier than Alvin Bragg, is Mark Pomerantz, a former prosecutor, like a like in the 1970s. Rudy Giuliani actually knew this guy and told me what a worm he was. Um, I knew he was a worm just from reading his book. Uh, his book is is a scandal. He goes around saying how they would threaten people, trying to scare them into thinking they had evidence on them when they didn't. This is how he scared Alan Weisselberg, tried to make him think. He was deceiving these people. They had nothing on him, but they wanted him to think that they had something on him. So Mark Pomerantz volunteers his time, volunteers to look for dirt on Trump. We can get him on something. we got to be able to get him on something. Well, uh, there's nothing there, though. And he's been looked at by everybody for the past seven years. So what are you going to do? Well... He really, really breaks his brain trying to find a way to get Trump, and he pieces together a phony, flimsy, will-never-stand-up-in-court case. And the fascinating thing to me is he admits it. He admits it. He admits what a crummy case it is and how everybody in the office can't stand him. Cut 20, please. This is Mark Pomerantz, who made the rounds a couple of months ago with a book about his case to prosecute Trump. And he was so angry that uh, Alvin Bragg didn't move on that case exactly when he wanted them to do so. He just waited a little bit so Alvin Bragg would claim all the credit. No one's talking about Mark Pomerantz today, except me, because he laid the groundwork for it, and I know it, because I read his stupid, damn, dirty book. Cut 20. So, to charge Trump with something other than a misdemeanor... Danny would have to argue that the intent to commit or conceal a federal crime had converted the falsification of the records into a felony. No appellate court in New York had ever upheld or rejected this interpretation of the law. Observations that my new colleagues were expressing had no substance. The unspoken concern of some of the office's old timers that I did not know New York criminal law, that I was too aggressive, and that I was looking for a quick kill that might not hold up in court. Yep, that's what they were all saying about him. And you heard that it was never, it had never been accepted by by a, a high court. Oh, but it's never been rejected either. It's never been done before. Dirty, dirty guy. And I think they're going to be able to disbar him when they find out what he confesses to in that book. He's in big trouble. And you know, lawyers are supposed to be professional, right? Professional. It's a, it's a, it's a profession. Law. You got to get a license. You got to pass the bar, and you got to actually, you know, be a member in good standing to practice law. And it, you, it's professional. And to me, professional connotes money. You, it's, it's a trade. You have to. You're paid for it. But when you start doing this out of the uh, darkness of your own heart, because Mark Pomerantz volunteered. He hated Trump that much. He volunteered to do it. Volunteered. His wife, wife is like, you're not doing this for any money? And he says, I would pay. I would pay to do this. Isn't that something? I would pay. Pay. His own money. Let's see here. Uh, that's a dirty, dirty guy. Dirty, bad guy. And he says, oh, I'd, 
I never wanted to see my name in the newspaper. I never understood. I never understood lawyers who got a thrill out of seeing their name in the newspaper or seeing themselves on television. I never understood how anyone could get a thrill out of that. And then he sits down on the Nicole Wallace show on MSNBC. They're like, Mark Pomerantz, thanks for uh, coming here to talk about your book. Well, thank you, Nicole. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> I'm thrilled his exact words. I am I'm thrilled to be here. Let's see here. Um my wife watching the middle man, I'll show my wife what I even saw. Yeah. I think that's going to uh there's gonna be a lot of fruit there for Takapina and the rest. I talked to Joe Takapina last night. He seems very, very confident. Very confident. And, uh, well, here he is. On, he's made, making the rounds. Listen to this. Joe Takapina, Donald Trump's criminal defense attorney in this matter. Cut five. This will backfire because we're going to win this case. We will humiliate them. And they will, they will, they will, they will pay the price for bending the rule of law. Justice will prevail in this case. I love it. We're going to humiliate them? <laughs> Damn. Uh, a little bit more. Cut six. They're embracing Michael Cohen as their witness in this case, their star witness. This is really one of the most disgraceful human beings in our history. Everything they've done here is to gain attention. It's not for the right motives. There is no one that could ever convince me that this man was not just charged to affect the elections, the effect of free election in this country. And that's scary to me. So Alvin Bragg, um, I've... Uh we talked a lot about that guy. You know, nobody paid any attention to his election except George Soros and very powerful people who put him on a mission. Because, you know, New Yorkers, unfortunately, the political system here and, and New Yorkers ourselves, we got to take kind of some some responsibility here. We let this maniac uh, gain office. We let it happen. You know how many people voted for him? 82,000. 82,000 people voted for him in the Democrat pri- primary, which is held on the last day of school. In a city of 8 million people, it only took 82,000 for this nut job to become the district attorney of arguably what was the most prestigious county in America. And he said he, he said he was going to do this. Cut 11, please. Cut 11. That is uh, the number one issue we know he's investigating. And what I'll say is I'm the only I was the first to announce against Cy Vance. I, too, have a lot of issues, which is why I decided to run. I'm the candidate in the race who has the experience with with Donald Trump. I was the chief deputy in the attorney general's office. We sued the Trump administration over 100 times uh, for the Muslim travel ban, for family separation at the border, for shenanigans with the census. Uh, So I know how to to litigate uh, with him. I also led the team that did the Trump Foundation case. So uh, I'm ready to go wherever the facts take me and to inherit that case. And I think, you know, It'd be hard to argue with the fact that that's, that'd be the most important, uh, most high-profile case. Uh, and I've seen him up front and seen the lawlessness that he can do. And What's, you believe it should happen? I, you know, I, I, I believe we have to hold him accountable. Uh, I haven't seen all the facts beyond the public, but I've litigated with him. And so I'm, I'm prepared to go where the facts take me once I see them uh, and hold him accountable. That was a campaign promise, but nobody was really paying much attention. Nobody was really – he snuck his way in with the help of George Soros. Soros backed a million dollars, although they shaved $500,000 off of that million dollars because he had a little Me Too situation apparently. Yes, a woman did not like the way Alvin treated her, and uh, she let that be known to some very uh, influential people, and they took a lot of money away from him. 
It got no coverage for some reason. As um, as Curtis Sliwa would say, his protection is his complexion in many, many matters. Many matters indeed. Alan Dershowitz, finest attorney in the world, will be on my show tonight. Um, one of the reasons why I like him so much um, is his performance in impeachment number one. Impeachment number one. He was the lawyer uh, for Trump for the Ukraine phone call, and he gets on the floor and he just goes right to the Republicans. I'm, I'm sorry, you just have no case here. I'm sorry. You're, it, 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 what, what you have here is it makes no sense, and you can't proceed. And you, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you went to all this trouble, but it doesn't work. Uh, here he is. Cut 12. You make a motion immediately to dismiss on statute of limitations grounds and on the grounds that uh, the, the alleged crime doesn't fit the the misdemeanor or the felony. Now, I haven't seen the indictment, obviously, so I'm talking in general terms. But in general right. terms, you make a motion to dismiss on both statutory grounds and statute of limitations grounds. And the statute of limitations grounds should prevail. Now, the New York Court of Appeals has had very negative rulings on that, so it's impossible to predict what will happen. Yeah, it's impossible to predict, but you heard that? He could possibly get this thing dismissed uh immediately immediately and i think rudy giuliani was on he was on my show as well last night he said the the judges in manhattan are not as crazy as you might think they're just they're the judges are actually pretty good uh do me a favor let's go with donald trump jr cut 13 i was proven even more right than i would have ever imagined because apparently you know soros back manhattan district attorney alvin bragg is actually indicting my father. So let's be clear, folks. This is like communist level. This is stuff that would make Mao, Stalin, uh, Pol Pot. It would make them blush. It's so flagrant. It's so crazed when even like the radical leftists of the Washington Post are out there saying, it's not really based on facts. It's not really based on the law. It's not really based in reality, but it's 100% based on politics. When your enemies are saying that, it's got to tell you everything you need to know right now about where we are as a country. He's right. <laughs> you know, I vacillate sometimes like, okay, this is, this is a joke. This is, he's going to win. It's, he's more popular than ever before. And then, and then I'm reminded that this is uh, a major giant leap forward toward tyranny. This We're getting closer and closer to an authoritarian state. And Donald Trump, I hate to say it, I said it last night, is getting closer and closer to prison. There aren't as many levels of protection between him and jail right now as you might think. They got that crazy grand jury. You can get a crazy grand jury to do anything. There are some good judges out there, but you also have your Shira Shinlins, and those whack jobs who hate Trump and will bend the law, ignore the law to get him. And then a jury of his peers in Manhattan, <laughs> the one county he lost in the Republican primary. Even the Republicans can't stand him in, in, in New York County. Is he going to get a fair trial? Could he go to jail? I I would like to see, oh, by the way, it's supposed to go down on Tuesday, the arraignment and where he will be fingerprinted and a mugshot. Uh, 
uh, we, Takapina, Joe Takapina told me last night that the Secret Service will not allow him for safety reasons to be handcuffed. And at no point should he be handcuffed. I mean, let's face it, at any given moment, this guy is, uh, is a target. People want him, right? Of course he is. And he has a right to, um, to live. And with your hands handcuffed, you are, um, well, you don't have the mobility you need. God, this is so absurd. I can't believe we're at this point. I can't believe it. Can you? Yeah, getting, I'm here. I am. I'm getting angry again. Uh, give me a moment. I'm going to collect myself. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this. Bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. What a damn liar. What a damn liar. Joe Biden on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2021. Uh, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty strong statement. You know, his whole soul is, is in unifying the country. His whole soul. And then he promised before God to always level with us. So, uh, what he needed to do, what I called for him to do, I think it would have been great. And I, I would have had a totally different life right now if he had done it. Um, number one, release the January 6th prisoners. Number two, uh, stop the impeachment of Donald Trump. And number three, get big tech off the back of conservatives that would have unified the country that wow but no he just uh he's just listening to his bosses i guess susan rice barack obama george soros who want to rip this country apart and redesign it into something who the hell knows what um this is not you know he could have a real president a real leader especially one you know as a democrat he could have called a democrat prosecutor in a county should have called him a long time ago. Alvin Bragg, smarten up and start prosecuting. What the hell are you doing? You're giving us all a bad name. He could have told him, told him, back off Trump. That's not even helping us. It's hurting the country. Instead, today they asked him about it. You know what he said? No comment. No comment. Alvin Bragg is a uh, very strange individual, has a lot of power right now, and only 82,000 people gave it to him. Uh, cut two, please. Here he is. You know, uh, Prosecutors have to uh, convict people when they're accused of, uh, credibly accused and indicted for rape, right? Rape, sexual assault. It's a big one with women. And and I think all people, we don't want sex predators out there, do we? Listen to how he wants to handle sexual assault cases. This is Alvin Bragg himself during the campaign for district attorney, cut two. We need culture change. We need an office uh, that is going to... Uh, not look at a case involving uh, sexual assault from the perspective of can we, quote, win this case, but to center the trauma of those who are survivors of sexual assault. Whatever the hell that means. You don't want to win the case. You want to just talk to the survivor and ask them questions like, do you really want to prosecute this case? Perhaps uh, you could have a restorative justice session with the accused. He's a big believer in restorative justice, which you probably haven't heard of. It's basically outside of the judicial system. How do we fix this situation? Um, we're not ready for that as a society. Okay. We need jail. We need prisons. We're human beings at this level, right? Right now we're, we're not there yet. We're centuries away from some sort of whatever the hell he's talking about. It's not applicable right now at all. Uh, let me hear what's this all about. Cut three. I'm going to talk about an incident from this summer where a homeless person, call my dad used to run homeless shelters, so it really speaks to me, 
was arrested on a train allegedly for taking up two seats. That's preposterous. Uh, you know, I've had friends arrested for things like that, family members for, you know, low level things that have absolutely nothing to do with public safety. So, um, have you been on the subway lately and a guy sleeping, uh, <laughs> a homeless guy? That's an arrestable offense. We want those guys removed. You know, he's always talking up a game that he's always talking like, uh, you know, my, I have friends arrested for that, family members. It's kind of like Obama. You know what his vulnerability is? Even in Harlem, he's a rich kid. He's wealthy. And that's not always cool. He went to private school. I know something about you. You went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. You know, that's not cool. In certain parts of the hood, you know what I'm talking about, Alvin. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I thought of it that way. Alvin Bragg, that's right, that's right, that's right. You know, he talks about his dad. He says it so quick, he wants you to think that his dad was homeless. His dad ran uh, these private homeless uh, facilities where you can make a lot of money. Privately owned, uh, the, the, those things are profit machines. Uh, I think his mother worked at a college. He went to the same prep school that Donald Trump Jr. went to. Now, they're always hassling Donald Trump Jr. and the Trump kids. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at all that privilege. These kids know how to work, oh, by the way. Okay. And Don Trump Jr., that guy knows how to use a gun, knows how to hunt a bear with a knife. He's amazing. Um, but that's it's interesting. So not unlike Barack Obama, who's always felt conflicted about his role and his status in the black community, I think – I think Alvin Bragg has a lot of the same um, kind of identity issues. And I'm not making this up. I mean, you can look it up in uh, Barack Obama's own memoirs, <laughs> seven of them. <laughs> How about that? He wrote seven books about himself before the age of like 53. <laughs> Just that's a I had a boss once. I, I, I shouldn't talk about that, but <laughs> I, I, I know I once knew a guy who wrote three autobiographies by the age of 40. Self-published, I think. Anyway, um, yeah, that's interesting. This Obama, because Obama ran for Congress. People forget about this, but he ran for Congress in 2000 and lost. He ran for the House of Representatives in the year 2000 against a guy named Bobby Rush. Bobby Rush in Chicago had been there for a long time, uh, happened to be black. Uh, and in comes Barack Obama going up against an incumbent Democrat. Well, you just don't do those kinds of things, um, according to the Democrat Party. You know, they hate they hate primary challenges and they hated Barack Obama and they didn't trust him. And that's how Bobby Rush crushed him by like 50 points by saying, who the hell is this guy? Is he even black? I mean, who is he? Barack Obama. Is he is he even black? We don't know if he's black. Where, where is he from? Who is he? What has he ever done? And Obama himself says it. Am I black enough? Maybe I'm not black enough. So the folks in the inner city, in the hood, if you will, have had their doubts about him for a long time. So how does he get cred with that group that he's on the outs with? Well, by being um, ultra woke, by going all in. You know, some people, he's black, he's white. Well, you know, he went all in with one, right? All in. And that whole thing about private school. There's a great line. Whoever saw the movie Eight Mile with, who was in that? Eminem. It's a really good movie from 2002. Eminem, he's a guy. He lives in a trailer with his mom. 
works in a factory, uh, has a hot girlfriend, uh, but his uh, stepfather is a jerk. And, you know, he's kind of downtrodden. But the man, the guy can rhyme and rap, and he's awesome. And he goes into these rap contests, and he's the only white guy in the rap contests. And, uh, but they, they love him because he's so good. And he goes up against like the other great rapper in town. I can't remember. What's the area code for Detroit? 313? Everybody in the 313, put your hands up. Everyone in the 313, put your hands up. And they're all going crazy, putting their hands up. And he does this whole thing on, I <laughs> notice my friend doesn't put his hands up because he is not from Detroit. He's from the suburbs. His name is Clarence, and his parents have a very nice marriage, uh, and he goes to private school. I know something about you. You went to Cranbrook. That's a private school because these are all negatives, all right? These are all negatives in in the hood. I'm sorry. Do I sound square or, or cool when I say hood? I think I probably sound more square than anything else, but whatever, square. Who says square anymore? Doug in New Jersey, hello. Hi, Greg. I love, first, I love your ABC and Newsmax shows, and thanks to your loyalty and support of President Trump. So I have an observation. It's both humorous and common sense. As I remember, before President Trump got into politics, I heard he was kind of a bit of a germophobe. He wouldn't shake hands with people. So then the common sense part is, well, would he really be with a prostitute and, not, and, and have unprotected sex? Being, if that is in fact true, that he is a bit of a germaphobe, doesn't even shake hands. Common sense, right? Yeah, you would think that. Uh, I look. I never believed it. I never believed it. Um, I never believed it. Yeah, that kind of. There is something to that. Kind of getting nitty gritty on us all, Doug. In terms of, <laughs> you've thought a lot about this, uh, but you got a point there, Doug. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, Rachel is in Whitestone. Rachel. Yeah, hi, Craig. How are you? Good, good. So um, we met at the Whitestone Republican Club, by the way. I gave you my book. Uh, the third oh, Did you, you ever get it from Barbara? I don't remember. I don't know. Rachel, we got to talk about that some other time. Keep going. I have no idea. What's up? What's, up? What's on your mind today? I wanted to just challenge everyone to convince one liberal... They know about the corruption in the White House and about Alvin Bragg's corruption, and the indictment is a sham. I think if we network, we can offset offset the censorship in the media. So just tell one, convince one person of what's happening. A liberal that has their head in the sand. Uh, how do you how do you suggest we go about that? I mean, seriously, have you talked to any liberals lately? You think, I mean, I, you they, know, they, they, they think, they think we are as crazy as we think they are. I mean, there is a real division here. You know, they go around, oh, January 6th was an insurrection. You know what I mean? They, they just, I don't think there's any convincing them. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, what makes you think that people are going to win that argument? I, I, I they don't, they, they, I, I, I would, I have liberals in my life who wouldn't call me back anymore. You former friends, they, I'm not going to be able to get them on the phone. They hate me. I mean, they. Hey, this is war for them. And then I was remembering Kavanaugh. You know, the, the so much of this is the abortion stuff, and I, I don't know. I don't think there's any convincing them. I mean, we can try, but I don't think that's going to work. Well, the thing is, I was a liberal at one time, and my head was in the sand. I didn't know anything about politics. I didn't know what was going on with Clinton and Hillary and all of that. And 
I did meet a liberal once, and his head was in the sand, too. I was able to convince him. Okay, but all right, you convinced him. But who convinced you to stop being a liberal? I bet it wasn't a person. It was a life experience. It was something that happened. But somebody didn't sit you down and say, hey, you should come over to the conservative way of thinking, and here are three reasons why. That did not happen. No, actually, Trump convinced me to come back uh, to to become a conservative. Uh, just watching him during the pandemic, I trusted him so much, and I could see that he was telling the truth about what was going on, and he was really trying to help New York. Yeah, it's true, and you know what? He wasn't afraid to break a sweat. You know what I mean? That you know, Obama was all about looking cool. You know, couldn't would never break a sweat, and if you are always con- just consumed with looking good, you're not going to get much done. I noticed that about Trump. It's one of the things I noticed early on. He's not afraid to break a sweat, not afraid to get in your, you know, leadership isn't necessarily cool and elegant all the time. I'll give that to Obama. He was very cool and elegant, but so ineffective and so bad. Thank you, Rachel. I'll look for that book. All right. I'm going to try Joe in New Jersey. Friday phones. Hello. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Number one, Joe. Sorry. It's not your fault, but what's up with the phones? Wait, say something again. Is it the phones? Yes. What the hell is our phone company? Why does it sound this bad? It's Verizon. They stink. They that's terrible. All right, Joe, it's not your fault, but keep talking. Sorry for the scratch. Look at this. You called from the Titanic. I hate that. It drives me crazy. All right, keep going. All right. Well, well, I was talking. You were talking earlier about people standing up. You know, my, my father. I, I talked with you before. My father was murdered by terrorists that were released by the Clintons and then Obama and Biden. And, yeah, you know, Francis Tavern, right? Francis, right? So we stood up, and you know, it, you know, we're just like anybody else. And I think, I think the point is that you know, people shouldn't be afraid to stand up, and because. <laughs> And I think it's. I think we have a lot more to fear by not standing up than we do by standing up. Our country's being pulled away from us, and to sit back and 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 not do anything is going to end up with the worse result than if you do stand up and everyone stands up and do what they can do to help. You know, I like you know, that we have more to fear by not standing up than by standing up. How do you suggest we stand up, though? I mean, uh, that means different things to different people. What are you talking about? It's a good. It's a good point. Everyone's got something. Like you know, I I, I was involved because the, they released the terrorists that murdered my dad, and I was and I pushed it. I wrote letters. I I got on TV. I did Fox. I testified in front of Congress a couple of times because I pushed it. It was something I believed in, and, and and if there's something you believe in, you really can't step back and let other people take control of it. So like you suggested before, you know, you write a letter, you call people, you you get on social media. And you make a you make a real a real effort to to show your example. Like I don't believe, as you said just before, I don't think you can sit someone down and say this is why you should um, change from from a Democrat to a Republican. I don't think that works. What I do think works is examples. Yeah. I wrote a book. We have a movie that that is in uh, editing right now that we premiered called Shattered Lives, and it gives it shows about the terrorists that killed my dad and how we stood up did something about it. And, and, and I think that's using, using your life experience as examples for people. I, I think that may help. Um, but, but minimally yeah. it will motivate other people to do the same. And even if you don't convince anybody, 
I think there's enough people in this country who believe in the in in liberty and believe in in, in the greatness of America. They just need to get off their asses. All right, get and, off their asses. I love it. The power of example. You're right about that, Joe. Good stuff as usual. And ooh, we got to do Barbara. Barbara's back. Hello, Barbara. A lot of people have been asking about you. How are you? Hi, Greg. I've been trying to get through and haven't been able to, but today I made it through. So I've been I've been well, and I hear you and Trump saying the same thing that people cannot give up. And as your previous caller just said, and I found a quote by Edmund Burke who said, "No one made a bigger mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little." And we have to remember that. All the littles we can do. We can wear the red, white, and blue colors every day. I have numerous flag pins and scarves that I wear, and it will start a conversation in a grocery store line, at a gas station, where you least expect it. Someone will say, oh, that's a great pin. I like that. And then you can start a conversation. And also, people can do so much by going to the groups that are doing great things, like True the Vote, Leadership Institute, and go to them and donate whatever you can to help them. That's something that you can do. If you don't feel that you can do big things, you can do so many little things, and you can pray for our country. I love it, Barbara. Once again, how about a good quote? How about a good quote to get us through these dark times? What do you got? Okay, well, I have I have a good quote, although the English is a little bit stiff. It's from also from Edwin Edmund Burke, who said, "It is ordained in the internal eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions form their fetters." And he's talking about people who are so concerned with greed, with lust, with hate that their passions form their own chains. Because they cannot be free. They are too uncivilized. So Edmund Burke said that. But I have to tell you something else. The president's preacher used an Edmund Burke quote that was very inspiring the other night on television when he said, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. However, that was the wrong quote. Edmund Burke never said that, even though the preacher said that he did. Edmund Burke never made that statement. And for someone to stand there, and you pointed this out, to say a quote like that about evil when they're standing in between two people who applaud and encourage and empower the killing of human life up until birth, it is so hypocritical. You're talking about Chaplain Black. He say, I, I, was, I was shocked. You know, the chaplain is supposed to have a kind of nonpartisan uh, role there. And he came in and basically said, you know, we need to pass gun legislation now. And, and, and I guess fake quoted Edmund Burke, you know, and, and, and just made a mockery of the whole thing. It's supposed to be nonpartisan. And then he even said, uh, we need more than prayer right now. Like he was downplaying the power of prayer, which was also very weird coming from a preacher and standing right there next to Patty Murray, who is, um, pro infanticide literally pro-infanticide, believes that life can be and should be terminated outside the womb. You can look it up. She has embraced those policies and blocked measures to protect life, that kind of life, outside the womb. 
It's amazing, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. Uh, thank you for noticing. I thought that needed to be pointed out. Everything else good? That was yes, but that moment was a microcosm of everything wrong with this administration. Number one, it was a lie. This is not a quote from Edmund Burke. Number two, he's talking about evil when he's standing there in the midst of evil with people who support evil. But then he's calling out the good people, the good people who must do something because all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. He's speaking a rallying cry to every constitutional-loving American citizen to stand up against the evil that he was surrounded with at that moment. It was so ironic. What a microcosm. Yeah, no, wow, there's a lot going on in that one clip. Well, Barbara, once again, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, Thank you for what you do with Americans for Religious Freedom, right? Oh, shoot. Americans for Religious Freedom. I think that's the name of Religious Liberty. And uh, let me make sure I got that right. I'll have it right after the break. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So yesterday we find out that Trump is indicted, will be indicted. Uh, it's a it's a done deal. I mean, it's happening. I thought I was hoping it was fake news, but it's not fake news. It really is going down. Uh, Tuesday is the day, Joe Tacopina told me, and they're going to, no kidding, bring him in. He will be arraigned in front of a judge. There's going to be the fingerprinting and the mugshot. They will not put him in handcuffs. The Secret Service will not allow that. I think the whole thing should be uh, and could be handled uh, uh, telephonically over the phone. Does Trump want this, uh, you know, for the optics or whatever? I mean, because it's going to, I mean, it's, well... Look, I'm already a supporter. Can I be more of a supporter? Yes. Is that going to have an emotional impact on me? Yes. Would that be politically effective? Maybe. Um, but here's something. Here's something. And I'm so glad. Rich, you mentioned it yesterday. So yesterday uh, was the 42nd anniversary of the attempted assassination of Donald of, uh, of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan on March 30th of 1981 was coming out of that Hilton Hotel getting into the car. And uh, John Hinckley opened fire. Remember? Are you old enough to remember? That was March 30th, uh, 1981. And isn't it kind of amazing? That was an attempted political assassination. That was an assassination attempt that failed. Ronald Reagan survived. He almost died, by the way. He lost a lot of blood. And, uh, you know, I think that night, that very night, they were saying, he's going to make it, he's going to be fine, but uh, they weren't so sure. And it was a touch and go there for quite a while, but uh, he made it, and he came back, and he came back stronger and better and more beloved, and he went on to win 49 states out of 50 in the next election, huh? 49 states out of 50. That was an assassination attempt. And what we have on our hands here. This is a political assassination attempt. And isn't it interesting? Isn't it, isn't it kind of funny that it would happen on the same day they tried to get Reagan? Isn't that, I think there's something kind of cosmic about that, something kind of divine. There are some interesting pictures of, of Donald Trump with Ronald Reagan, by the way. And Donald Trump had a lot of respect for Ronald Reagan. Not so much respect for George H.W. Bush saw him as weak. Uh, saw him as wimpy, like a lot of us did, and he kind of was. But Reagan, 
and that image that the Soviets had of him being this wild man cowboy. It was a kind of an addition to the, uh, what do they call it, the madman theory. The madman theory that started with Nixon, who was also a big fan of Donald Trump's and vice versa. Donald Trump, uh, Richard Nixon and Mrs. Nixon, Patricia Nixon, they saw the political talent in Richard and, and Donald very early on. You know, they were neighbors, by the way. They lived on the same block. No kidding. On uh, 65th Street. And later, I guess they also lived on, well, at different times on Fifth Avenue. But at the same time in the 1970s, uh, Richard Nixon and Donald Trump just lived a few doors down from each other. Anyway, God works in amazing ways, doesn't he? March 30th, 1981 to March 30th, 2023. It failed once. It will fail again. All right, there's the music. I got to go across the street. Sorry to get to everybody. Lou, very quickly, what? Lou? Hello? All right, Lou. Yeah, it sounds like you're in the middle of a project. We'll have to talk next week. I'll see you tonight on the Newsmax show at 10 p.m. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.